Well, good morning, church family. It is good to see everybody. And somebody from the back, give me a thumbs up if we're uh, live with the Fellowship Center or not. I'm uh, not seeing anything up this way. So while I'm waiting for that thumbs up, uh, I want to say a couple of things about the One Kingdom video. One, it looks like Derek Poole may be repa- replacing Mason Free as the new T-shirt model uh, there. Those of you smattering of uh, laughter there understood that. But uh, just a little little joke with Mason Free. The uh, the other thing, though, Thomas, who was talking about that the T-shirt sales go to, a beautiful story about how he got to us, and uh, that whole drip irrigation system came through uh, Richard Myers um, uh, and Thomas and introducing things, and that's Lindy's, uh, Loveland's dad. And so that is uh, very near and dear to us. So go buy some T-shirts, uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we'd like to, well, whoa, there we are. Uh, we'd like to welcome everybody uh, here in this room, our Fellowship Center live stream. And I want to add uh, to Johnny's welcome uh, uh, to our Live Original guest. I've met a lot of you from all over, uh, from Idaho, some ladies in the back from Idaho, uh, from uh, just all over the country. Then, then I met this, these two people. I was like, oh, where are you from? We're from here. We're from here. Where are you from? Texas. You know, there's just something about a vibrato from people from Texas, and I can appreciate that, especially, especially after last night's ball game. I know uh, uh, we're, there's, there's, uh, there's bittersweet tears today, depending on which side you're on. Uh, remember, as uh, Jeremy said, over the next few weeks, we've got a lot, of, a lot of good stuff happening. Next week, the men's return service, two weeks, One Kingdom Sunday. It's going to be a great Sunday uh, together. You ever have those? Uh, we are in Luke chapter 8 today, so go ahead and be turning or flipping or poking or however you get there. Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start in about verse 22 today. You ever have those remember when moments uh, when you get together with friends and family? Uh, remember when you went uh, on this trip or uh, dad blew up the grill or, or whatever happened and you, you get to laughing uh, one of my favorite ones in our family is remember when my my two sons came in, uh, Nathan and Hayden came in. Nathan had just graduated high school, had been out late with some friends, and Hayden, my younger son, was with him. And somebody had come down our road in the middle of the night and realized they were in the wrong spot and tried to turn around and backed off the road. And so they were high-centered. Well, about that time, Nathan and Hayden come home and... They're like, what's going on? How can we help? They're like, well, let me go get my dad, and we'll get his truck and the chain. We'll get you out. Well, he comes into our room very quietly, not wanting to wake up Karen, and he, he gets real close to me. Dad. Right in my face. Dad. And I wake up, and there's this person that far from me. And they, I mean, clo- uh, covers went everywhere. I jump up, <laughs> and I have got him by the shirt, and I am ready to just attack. Dad, Dad, Karen's like, David, David. <laughs> Hayden is at the door. Smart kid. <laughs> Dad, Dad. <laughs> ah, I'm screaming. It's one of, and, and my daughter-in-law, Chris, says that's my favorite story. <laughs> I almost punched out my son. But, you know, you have those remember when stories, uh, moments in your life, memories that make you laugh. Uh, you have those in church, too. 
some of those we, we were talking about uh, this week. Uh, one of our worship leaders, uh, Gary Myers, back in the day, and I, I don't remember this, but boy, everybody else did uh, that I was talking to, had uh, gotten ready, uh, had mic'd up, uh, ready to start worship, and slipped into the bathroom and had a hot mic on uh, while he was in the bathroom. Always check your mic before you go to the bathroom. <laughs> True story. Uh, and then, then one day we were, uh, had, uh, a gentleman had responded, and I do remember this one, had responded for prayers and to be anointed by the elders. And his mother had responded with him, and she had come down with her walker and was sitting next to him. Well, sometimes you can't always hear down here uh, what's being said, and especially if you're Carl Allison and you don't hear well anyway. And so they asked Carl, they called the oil to anoint and he wasn't sure they were anointing, so he anointed the mother. And later on, they said, Carl, you anointed the wrong person. They said, well, I just saw a walker and went for it. And uh, <laughs> she got rid of the walker and lived 50 more years. You know, so, no, it's, uh, you know, you have those, those moments. Or it could be the one even from last week. When Dave does a video about a class coming up, and before I sit down, three people are like, you need a new chair. Hey, Dave, you need a new chair. Dustin Simmons, text me, you need a new chair. Jessica Netherly leans over to Karen, did he buy that chair at Transformations? <laughs> Chad Johnson says, bring that to Transformations, I'll sell it for $5. And if I put some brown duct tape on it, I'll get seven fifty for it. So, you know, remember when, uh, and even last week when, when we did the welcome and... Uh, Jerry Ann about stumbled off the stage, and uh, Addison, her daughter, said, well, your mom did well. She said, she just about busted it. No mercy from the kids. And then later on, someone did fall off the stage. So, you know, remember those, those remember when moments that we have. Um, you know, this, this text that we're in here in Luke 8, uh, I can imagine them talking about the events and the four events in this, in this section that as Luke, who wrote way after the fact, I said, do you remember when, tell me some of these stories about Jesus so I can write them down in orderly account. He's like, oh man, remember the time we did this? You remember this? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And remember this. We have four stories here in our text today that we're going to look at. Now, you know all four of them. Uh, you're familiar with them all individually. But what we're going to do, we're going to take the drone view. We're going we're gonna to fly up and we're going to try to see all four of these stories as, as, and see how they're linked together. And see what Jesus is doing as he displays power. And all this happened on a trip with Jesus. And it was a trip to remember. A power trip to remember whenever his power was displayed. And they got it. Or at least they got some bigger glimpses of it. We are, uh, so let's, let's spend some time looking here. First of all, let's look at the stories. First of all, uh, chapter 8, verse 22. There was this storm that came up. One day Jesus says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they, sail, as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where's your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? 
He commands even the winds and the waters they obey Him. You ever been in those storms? Been a little afraid? Been leaving to go fishing one morning and everything was calm at the house and you get to Darbon Lake and next thing you know, you're the only one there and you think it's going to be a great day, but everybody else got the memo, it's going to be windy, but me? Yeah, it's a little boom, 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 all the way across the lake. It's a little scary. This was worse than that. The unexpected happened in this storm. They had managed stuff like this before. Some of them, after all, were fishermen and were familiar with this lake. They managed it first, but after a, after a while, it, uh, it got a little too much to handle. The danger became too great, and they started to take in water. And then... And then what they were bailing out, they couldn't bail quick enough for what was coming in. And they were about to die. It was not uncommon on this lake for about to happen, uh, for what happened with these squalls. It was a regular occurrence and they could see the times, but this time it was unexpected. The storms hit them out of nowhere. The next story we look at, uh, verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerizims, which is across from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked, what is your name? Legion, because we, many demons, have gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. There's a lot to unpack here uh, in in this story and and as it continues. Most of this we're going to leave in the suitcase for another day uh, as we there, there's so many ins and outs but I don't want us to miss the point of what Jesus is doing is here is a man whose life has been wrecked by evil no one in their right mind after all runs around naked in a graveyard and living there and now that's that's significant to me because my backyard backs up to a cemetery to a graveyard and I know the people that live there and or have worked there and lived there and so it's a little scary whenever you read this story and then go walking on your daily walk in the cemetery of what you may find but that never happened i've never been to a cemetery and seen rick fortenberry or richard massey running around crazy like i mean they run around crazy but they were clothed and somewhat in their right mind but the fact is it was a scary thing and very known in fact who stepped out of the boat Look at the text. Who stepped out of the boat? Say Jesus. That's right. Jesus stepped out of the boat. Where are the rest rest of the guys? In the boat. Because what do they know? Okay, they're familiar with this area. We know what happens in this town. This is Gentile territory anyway. There's pigs there. Let's not go there. Why are we landing here, Jesus? Because He had something in mind. Where is Jesus? He's stepping out face-to-face with evil. And and evil submits to him. And that's what Jesus is showing them. Not only am I calming the storm, do I command it, 
but also I command the evil that has oppressed this person. Well, let's keep reading. I have these two overlapping stories with this sick woman and this poor little girl. Here in verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed Him. So they went on this trip. They went over, take care of the the demon-possessed guy, and they're on the return trip now. A crowd welcomed Him, for they were all expecting Him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with Him to come to His house. Because His only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on the way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. In other words, How do we know? Everybody's touching you. (laughs) But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. So you have this situation. Jairus who's asking for his dying daughter. And then this woman who comes up and touches the hem of his garment. And is healed. And this poor woman, not only just just the, the physical continual feeling bad of what it is to, 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 to be subject to this hemorrhage uh, for, for so many years, for most of her life. But it's a double whammy there because that makes you unclean. So there was this social ostracization that had to happen because of, of the law and, and then this whole physical thing that happened. Just a tough time. Another desperate soul, as we see, coming in contact with Jesus. In the meantime, Jairus' daughter of 12 years old dies. And they go and they say, look, don't bother the master anymore. Your child has died. And Jesus, as we'll see, immediately comes and says, don't be afraid. Your daughter will live. And they, they go on and to, to the house. They dismiss everybody except for a few and mom and dad. And he tells her to get up. And he raises her from the dead. Desperate parents receive their daughter back from the dead. So you have a storm that is very dangerous and they're about to die. You have, you have a demon-possessed man oppressed by evil and Jesus facing evil face to face. You have a sick woman, sick physically and ostracized socially. And then you have desperate mom and dad and their only daughter has died. There's several common denominators in each of these instances. One, there's fear. It's mentioned and present in all of them. Verse 25 says, Where is uh, your faith, he asked. In fear and amazement, they asked one another. Verse 37, we didn't read this part, but after he cast out these demons and the herd of pigs go into it, read the whole thing. It's a beautiful, pretty cool story. Then all the people of the region asked Jesus to leave. Why? Because they were overcome with fear. And not to mention the disciples who 
we can safely assume we're probably still in the boat. Verse 50, upon here, actually verse uh, 47. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And then Jairus, Jesus immediately said, Don't be afraid. Just believe. She will be healed. What does fear do to us? does a lot. One, physically, it just floods our system with all kinds of things that if that stays at that level, it really causes all kinds of health problems. The other, though, that we often think about is emotionally. We've all heard of the fight or flight. There's also freeze. There are those times where you want to run away from it when you're afraid. Sometimes if you're backed in a corner or your son comes in the middle of the night and says, Dad, you want to fight? And then sometimes you... You just lock up and you freeze. And it locks us up emotionally. Spiritually, it also affects us. It causes us to shrink back instead of moving in and leaning in. If we have a a fear of Jesus or a fear of God or a fear of, of, of what spiritually things will happen in being vulnerable, we'll move away from the very thing that we find healing in instead of leaning into it causes us to doubt, fear of, of if we're going to make it or not, fear of doing the wrong thing, and, and, and fear of grace not being a big enough for us because of maybe what we've done or what we've believed. It causes us to pause those moments where you come in and you're like, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. Ooh, that's going to hurt. Or, ah, it's just this. causes us to pause and maybe miss out, to give up and to dread and think through what may happen. And we overplay things in our mind. In each instance, Jesus introduces faith into the equation. Because the opposite of fear is not necessarily courage. We've all done courageous things and still scared to death at the same time. But the opposite of fear is faith. He asked the disciples, where is your faith? Your faith has made you well, he tells the sick woman. Just believe, he tells Jairus about his daughter. In each instance, Jesus introduces faith into the equation because faith, even small faith, moves mountains. Even a small amount moves mountains of fear. Put yourself then in a position to be more faithful, to grow in that faith. I've just got to find some courage. No, grow in your faith. But my faith is small. It'll move mountains, Jesus said. But let's grow in that. Let's put yourself in a, in a community of people that Johnny was talking about this morning. We are community. We are people that, that support and encourage and love and, and speak life into one another. Put yourself in there. We've got some great stuff going on as far as classes and small groups. And we have a, a library that's huge online. Put yourself in those times to be spoken into. But also the, the relationship factor that is there. I don't know how people make it in this world without a faith family. And I know sometimes it gets uncomfortable. I just don't know. What about this? What They just don't know me. Sometimes the most faithful, small faithful that leads to, to, to courage or when you pull up in the parking lot and you're like, I just don't know, but you come in anyway. Thank you 
I would imagine that there's some people here that are like, okay, I'm just going to come in today. I've been here ten times and I've just left. (laughs) But thank you. Thank you for doing that. Faith leads us to acting better than we feel. When we lead with faith, our emotions eventually catch up. Because when we lead with our emotions, it usually doesn't work too well. And we become reactive. Put ourselves in a position to grow. Another common denominator in all of these was desperation. Each were desperate for something. The disciples were desperate for rescue from a storm. Legion, as he was known, was desperate for relief or release from oppression and evil. This poor woman was desperate for relief from her misery. And Jairus and his wife were desperate for resurrection from the dead. Storms, oppression, misery, death all come in different forms and at different times in our life. Things may rock along and then all of a sudden the squall hits and our world's turned upside down. It could be times where we experience death and not just physical death of a loved one, but the long-term dying of a loved one. Or the death of a relationship, a death of a friendship, a death of whatever. And we grieve and we mourn that and we long for resurrection from that. Or the long-term oppression that keeps struggling with the same thing and it keeps hitting me. And I just want release from that evil that I keep struggling with. Or just the suffering. Over, I can't seem to catch a break. I need some relief. The other common denominator in all of that is Jesus. In the middle of fear and desperation, at so many levels, there's Jesus in the middle of all four of those stories. In fact, He made it a point to insert Himself into every one of those things. He's demonstrating His power over storms. He's demonstrating His power over evil over suffering, and even over death. He is greater than the curse that caused them. Not just He is greater in power of that, but greater than the curse that caused all those things to happen when sin came into the world. We also see that Jesus is present in the middle of that storm, in the face of evil, in the middle of suffering and isolation, in the middle of the throes of death, Jesus is present. We oftentimes, where is Jesus? You're right, Kurt. Jesus is in the middle of all of it. He is right there in the middle of the curse, in the middle of the evil, in the middle of the onslaught that the enemy does. He is there. He is not distant. He is present. He is there to command the storm. He is there to command the evil. He is there to relieve and provide comfort. And sometimes He does it directly and sometimes He does it through people. Oftentimes through people. And He gives hope in times of despair. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And that same man, Jesus Christ, is our high priest giving us access to the Father continually. As the commercial says, He gets us. He gets us. That's where Jesus is in the middle of it. We would be remiss today if we did not recognize and mention this time in our country. Today is September 10th. 22 years ago, 
in and around my generation and beyond, we watched and remembered where we were and who we were with 22 years ago, uh, ago tomorrow as our country was attacked and the world watched in horror as to what happened. Everything in our stories today, evil, suffering, storms, oppression, death, suffering, were all present on that day in those moments. I've watched some new stuff in the last few days, and there will be more tomorrow, today and tomorrow. As calculated attacks from evil people caused death and destruction, we looked on in fear and horror. Joe and Jimmy, our, our very own Jersey Joe, as we call him, was a firefighter that day in nearby New Jersey and was en route that day, but because of threats of bombs and tunnels on bridges, they were turned back and said, go back and just wait. And so they waited, first responders wanting to go help and rush to, but unable to. And as they watched along with us, uh, the first responders in New York City running to destruction and death and evil, um, they felt helpless. Jersey Joe's story will be aired tomorrow on the Unashamed Podcast. And I encourage you to, to listen to that. Also, Joe will be with us Wednesday night during peak of the week to share the, the, the events of that day and also uh, how it changed him and his life since that time. Um, so you don't want to miss that. And that will be live streamed as well. So we want to say for you law enforcement people, you firefighters, you EMTs, the doctors, the nurses, all who see suffering, those who are faced with evil, um, come face to face with it, those who run towards destruction, those who run into buildings because people can't get out, those who are wounded in so many ways physically because and they, they come to your to your presence and you provide aid and relieve suffering and rescue from the grips of death and provide calm. Thank you. Thank you so much for what you do. If you're retired, if you, uh, I just saw Ron here, retired from Florida State Police and so many, thank you for what you do. And thank you for stuffing that in. Thank you. Thank you. You don't run away from it. I was telling the story to somebody this morning, uh, one of our families whose uh, spouse was a nurse, and they walked into their neighbor's yard, and it was a horrible, horrible scene. And he froze. He was like, man, I didn't know what to do. But she ran in and knew what to do and began. And then it was later, she was like, okay, i got to deal with that. Thank you. Thank you for letting, running ahead, even in your mind, and taking care of things. And I know the weight you carry. Talk to nurses and doctors since COVID, and it's heavy. You can only see so much, and then your own turmoil gets a little crazy. So thank you. Remember when you were sinking 
and needed rescue? Remember when you were oppressed by evil and needed release? Do you remember when you were hemorrhaging life and needed relief? Or were dead and needed resurrection? And I ask you, what's your storm? What is oppressing you? What is debilitating you? What's killing you? Because that's, that's where we get. That's where this, when we, when we, when we come back down from the ground on this, on this drone flyover of these four stories, we're in these stories too. Because every one of us at some form or fashion, some level or another, have experienced what they've experienced. And we find ourselves needing Jesus. We need Jesus to rescue. We need Jesus to release us. We need Jesus to provide the relief and to resurrect us. And my brothers and sisters, wherever you are, online, in here, other room, if you're watching later on this week, it is only through the Gospel that that happens. No other way except through Jesus does that happen. We may find relief temporarily in some empty way, but it does not sustain. If you have a need to respond to that Gospel, you do that while we stand and sing.